0: This is CliffCentral.com
1: (laughs) CliffCentral.com on a Thursday afternoon at just after 1 o'clock I'm Mavali Molloy and I've got my partner in crime Aspasia Karis Welcome to another edition of Between Two Femmes It's Thursday, I'm so delighted you know what? It's Thursday, it's August. We We had
2: the 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 day off on Monday which was a delight. Yes,
1: women's Jesus system Women's Month, Women's Day. Although don't women's you find day. it interesting women's how conversations There's have, anger out there about well, women's day. Well, isn't this isn't this an interesting mm. thing because you know government uh, tries to do this whole PR thing dedicating the whole month to women and then all of a sudden you see all sorts of conversation on social media with women saying stop patronizing us because yes, you have this great women's month campaign. But then we're still dealing with the issues
2: of women not being paid their fair share. Mm, I think we're going to have to touch on that next week. Uh, s- I think we must get that yeah. um, HR professor in. in. In the same
1: jobs that they do, that they work in to with 17% men.
2: 17%. I mean, let's, difference.
1: let's not even, let's not even go into crimes against women. Uh, you know, sexual abuse.
2: But you know what we should go into? Yes. The women's news. Well, you know what, Aspasia? I feel like we've already started. Oh, we've <laughs> peaked too soon. Let's get straight into it.
1: <laughs>
2: okay, what do we have in the women's news today? <laughs> well, we've just got more of the same, love. Oh. We've got Beck, oh. Beck, yes, and more Beck. <laughs> I, I, I for one have invited my girlfriends to the Bic support group dinner tonight. What is, what does that entail? <laughs> how, how, how are we going to recover from the fact oh. that Bic told us to think like men okay, for so Women's then, Week? Okay,
1: so then, so then set the scene for us here again because, you know, just, just remind us all again what for exactly happened with Big.
2: Yeah. Hey, somebody did a like sort of post, an ill advised post on Facebook for Women's Day. Yes. And it went something along the lines of, "Look like a girl, yeah. act like a lady, think like a man, work like a boss, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, and this caused outrage, and I mean, you know the twitter sphere we've we've said this before, and we said it again it 's people waiting around to be outraged, right, but they really got very outraged, and this this went global and and i was um i was I was laughing i don 't know if you 've ever seen. Ellen DeGeneres' skit about the last time Beck did one of these, like sort of ill-advised, <laughs> like sort of. No, I have not seen it. Paint it's the very for hysterical. Me. She, she, she got upset because they, uh, Beck Beck had put out a pen for her. Obviously oh, it was course, in pretty. Of course, of course. Pink? Yes. And purple colors. And I have nothing against pink. I just want to say I think pink, but, <laughs> um, they, they, it was. I mean, it did create like a lot of scandal. People laughing. Finally, like they could carry like sort of a pen in their lady hands, and you know, their delicate little lady <laughs> yeah. hands, which are
1: just not as well as well equipped as men hands. And I think this is. What, I mean, one of the I points. This, yeah. One of the points that I liked that was raised about what's problematic with this campaign is people were saying, "Well, what's wrong with thinking like a woman?" Because you know, as part of the campaign, they say, "No, think like a man." Mm. But what is wrong with thinking like a woman? And I think that is, you know, again, women go again saying, well, you see, you see, this is this is exactly the problem with how men perceive us. And I wonder,
2: I mean, it hasn't come out, but I mean, I also saw a lot of like debates on on the interwebs where people were saying chances are the social media person who posted this was probably a woman herself and just didn't think it through Mm. at all. And I I think it's because we don't think it through. I just like for all of us
1: to get to the point where people stop telling women what they should do, how they should think, what they should say. How they should present themselves. Just stop telling us what to do. We're as if, angry. We're angry. As if we're incapable of deciding for <laughs> ourselves. You don't see anybody telling men how they should act or what they should think or like, let's just stop it already. Come now. It's, <sighs>
2: it's time to move on. But I, I have added, um, the big pens to the shrine with Cecil the Lion because, you know, it took the heat off me. Just say.
1: Well, <laughs> well, speaking of heat. After my campaign. Speaking of heat, the new SAA chairperson, this is Dudu Mieni. And I think that she's recently stepped into the position after the previous chairperson Mm -hmm. was let go Mm -hmm. of because of a whole bunch of issues... Among those alluding to corruption, all sorts of things, and then there were some sort of allegations made against her in terms of what is the nature of the relationship that she's had uh-huh. with the president. Uh-huh. People alluding to the fact that, well, it you might know, have I just been, think
2: it's wonderful that we have that kind of like player president. You know, I, t- <laughs> I, I know that we were talking about our um, advanced player, right? Like, what did we call him? The reformed player, the refined, the refined player, the refined player, <laughs> the newly refined advanced player. <laughs> and but so, I think that we have one who's like sort of the newly powerful, mostly refined but fabulous president, and I just want to put that out there. Okay. Well, I don't know. But let's see what Dudu said. I don't know how people are going to uh, uh, receive what you they just must said, just receive but, it well. Oh, okay. Let's well, not you know speak what? ill of the president.
1: Mieni is the new SAA chairperson, and she's basically given interviews all over the place because I think as soon as she got the position, a lot of people jumped to conclusions on. What were her qualifications for this position Hmm. and what is the nature of her relationship with the president? Now, you know, people love to speculate and I suppose that's just the nature of things. But now she's come out strong and she's basically come out and said, you don't have to open your legs to get to the top. She says you don't see men sleeping
2: their way to the top. So why do women do the same? Then really? Bes- I thought that's what they were doing at golf. Like all that golf, they were actually just, um, it was it was a euphemism. So
1: I think, you know, I think that she's taken a pretty strong stand here because the assumption is, mm, how did you get the job? How do you know the president? And she's saying, actually, I've earned my way to this position and it did not involve me having to sleep my way to the top.
2: Is she being paid the same as... Um the male uh, counterpart uh, well probably that will prob- be interesting
1: probably not but you know <laughs> speculation is what it's all about what else do we have
2: we have a very interesting story this uh lovely young woman called Kiran Gandhi just ran a marathon um in the states mm. uh without well here here's what happened she realized she was preparing to go to the marathon For a year, she'd been like preparing to run this marathon. Okay. And she realized her period would be coming on the day of the marathon. She would start menstruating. Yes, because
1: you know, you've got the whole cycle thing. You have that cycle
2: thing, and she was like devastated because she'd like never run during her period before. And um, because she had an uncomfortable, like, sort of, she had one of those horrible periods where it was just a pain to have one. And she decided to carry on and ran it um free that's the point is that she put no tampon in and ran the whole marathon with her period just running free oh. and the idea was really that well, I, I mean it's caused like a bit of a it's quite interesting she's written i oh know it was the 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 London marathon actually okay sorry guys oh it was a marathon in London it wasn't the actual. Yeah, no, it was. Anyway, what was interesting was that her she ran free with the period just sort of coming through everything, everything, right? Um, and she was wearing a red pair of pants, and the period. How do we feel about this, Aspasia? You know, it was a very interesting thing because, like, my initial thought is you, <laughs> but then I thought actually, here's the thing: it's a natural process. Yeah, you've seen uh, men run marathons, when they run them really fast, they pee in their pants, they just carry on, they don't like bother about. There was that infamous uh, incident with the famous marathoner who was on a winning streak and she just sat down on the side of the road and made a poo. So (laughs) truly, I mean, it was really quite fascinating. But the thing is, it's a natural process. And I think what she did was incredibly brave to just say, this happens it happens to women i mean this takes us back to the the when instagram banned the photographer from posting pictures of her period coming through so it's it's just another sort of um an almost activist she she used the marathon to take a stand and to also say that there are many women who just stop doing things yeah. especially i mean we've had this conversation recently with the lady from always but where they stop doing their activities, going to work, going to school, because they've got a period. And she said, well, actually, look, you can run the marathon with your period. And you know what? Run free. But I mean, it's quite a radical statement, but it was very beautiful. I mean, the most moving part of reading here, yeah. this interview that I read, which was on cosmopolitan.com, with, which they did with her, was that she said, you know, she was really worried. Uh, she, she took the decision fine. She's going to run free because she didn't want to run with the tampon inside her. She didn't know what the impact would be mm. over 42 kilometers. So because she had a friend who'd been worried that her period would come on a marathon previously and had ended up with a scar because she'd run with the tampon in her bra. And because of the chafing, I mean, you're running a lot. It's very far. You get chafing. Right. She still had a scar on her breast. And she said, imagine that was just from having it outside. What would it do having it inside? And so she chose to run free. You know what? And
1: I, yeah, because in, initially, <laughs> initially when I heard the story, I also, my, my initial knee jerk reaction was ill. But then now that you've mentioned it, and I've, I've been listening to you speaking about it, and I think, well, actually, why is it ill? You know, you've got men whipping their penises out on the side of the road every other day. They, they it's we,
2: complete, the time like on that. The, they I ran a 21K this weekend. It's not an they
1: issue for think them. think that is it is completely acceptable, and it is not. Actually, it is not <laughs> acceptable. So there's that. And then besides that, you know, you, you mentioned part of the... Hot and parcel with these marathons, you you do get people pooing in their pants. You you do get people, and this happens in cycling as well. You know, it's Florida an extreme. Funds. It's
2: an extreme sport. These are
1: natural <laughs> bodily reactions that are taking place. And if people want to get offended, sensitive, and upset by a woman running a marathon while she's on her period, all I'm going to say is that you need to just but what like, was beautiful, grow up and get over yourself. Yes, was that I'm she saw say.
2: her her father. And he just, uh, her father and her brother, and she was worried about how they would react. And they were just so delighted to see her at, like, I don't know, mile nine, which is, like, about halfway through. Yeah. And they didn't care. And she felt so liberated after that and emotional. Like, she just... Shed a little tear and carried on. I
1: just think we need to get to the point where you know, whenever somebody says the word period, like you, you, you mustn't have but a you're man. Not ashamed. To, you're not ashamed. Well, first of, it. of all, as a woman, don't be ashamed of it. And then, secondly, for men, like if you're still flinching and, like, pointing fingers and making funny jokes about the period, like, grow up already. You're not a six-year-old. Honestly, just grow up. So we're gonna leave it at that with the women's news. Okay, <laughs> on that bloody note. <laughs> on- <laughs> That's it. And we're going to carry straight on on uh, between two frames. Remember, if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can uh, message us straight through to WeChat. Our official ID is Cliff Central. You can also tweet us at Com, or you can phone in. We'd love to hear from you. 0861-555-189. Now, joining us this afternoon is Maria Nikolovska. She is the technical expert in trafficking for the Irregular Migration Unit, and they're part of the International Organization for Migration. Maria, good afternoon, and thank you for joining us.
3: Good afternoon, and thank you for having me here.
1: Now, you will remember a, a couple of weeks ago, Aspasia, people were very upset at the new visa regulations about mm, abridged right. or unabridged birth certificates when you're traveling with, ch- with your child, blah, blah, blah. And then um, Malusi Gigaba and his team said, no no, 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 the reason that this is being done is because of the child trafficking yes, problem in yes. South Africa. But people were not prepared to hear
2: any of that. They were like, it inconveniences me and I don't care. Well, and I mean... To be fair, it's also inconvenienced the entire tourism industry. Well, this is true. <laughs> because it's very hard to for people to travel to this country. I mean, I was when I was flying back from Paris a few weeks ago um there was a woman at the with her daughter who was seventeen or something, and she she hadn't heard that there were these regulations, these new regulations, so they were turned away at the gate. Um uh, that they mean, were about to hop onto the plane yeah. to fly here on holiday. They were from Holland or something. Well, you know what, catching a connecting flight. It was quite interesting because you could see the actual impact. But I thought it was a fantastic idea, as did you. Well, yes, to, because to hear the other I, side of the
1: story. Well, look, I understand people getting upset and you know getting upset about being inconvenienced. But I did, I did wonder how many South Africans are informed about, firstly, the prevalence of human trafficking in this country and the rest of the continent, and how many of them actually care. Mm. And so, Maria, let me begin with you. First of all, you are the technical expert in trafficking. And so what exactly does that mean, you being the technical expert?
3: Well, first, it's um, a mouthful um, word, I would say. Um, Being a technical person uh, or an expert uh, within the International Organization for Migration uh, means that um, you have to have the experience and knowledge and um, I would say many years dealing with uh, actual victims of, of human trafficking um, in, in different countries in the world, Again, being involved into um, working out the awareness racing, um, like from campaigns targeting the general public, uh, I mean, uh, talking to uh, through different medias, in, including uh, this one. But at the same time, um, actually uh, talking to the relevant people, starting from the top makers to, again, uh, the ground-level people. Uh, what is human trafficking? Mm. Um, why do we need to care about uh, uh, the, the phenomenon or, or the issue, and um, does it really concern um, us as South Africans, as uh, foreign nationals living in South Africa, as the overall uh, general public? Uh, let me just start, um, uh, maybe briefly, uh, about, uh, human trafficking. And I'll try not to be as technical, uh, uh as possible. <laughs> Look, we because there's a little I know spot to, yeah. of
2: technicality in our lives. Yeah, so.
3: it's getting <laughs> boring, actually. And, um, I always say, um, I mean, that's one of the reasons why, uh, we, we have very young people, uh, colleagues in, in our teams, especially in, in the media, um, and departments. Uh, because uh, we kind of tend to to go into technicalities mm-hmm. too much, but then um, it becomes boring and and the overall public doesn 't really want to hear so uh, when talking about human trafficking, I, I always want to talk from experience because um, again i don 't think that uh, I have the ability to talk uh, uh, very well um, uh, in terms of uh, expressing myself but uh, talking from experience um, just uh, let 's let 's tell a story of a south african um, girl from eastern cape Uh, and we have done a lot of studies Uh, we actually have the fact that um, due to uh, uh, young people um, uh, not knowing about the phenomenon they usually uh, very easily tricked or deceived uh, for a greener pasture a better life it doesn't need to be in a foreign country. It can be, you know, in South, Africa. Uh, South Africa and in Johannesburg or in Cape Town or or the next place uh, that has um, that great opportunity that mm. will make you, you know, travel the world and wear great uh, clothes and, and drive a, a best car. But then the trick is then, um, and usually it's a, it's a person within the community, someone that you know, you know. someone that you trust. It's a, It's a lady, it's a man but um again based on on all the studies and the experience that we have uh, we have with uh, dealing with victims of trafficking is actually, it's always a, a lady as a as a first hand um, handler. I, I would say,
2: wow, that approaches so a woman. A woman lures you in.
3: Yes, it's, I mean, is that because a woman is seen to be more trustworthy when a young person is yes. involved? Yes, yes, that's that's exactly the the reason why, and that's exactly what what is happening. So, um yes, uh, and and of course this lady goes uh, to the family to the mother or the father and says okay i will really take care of of your daughter and just uh, you know please allow her to to come with me and she will bring money and etc cetera, etc cetera. so then uh, this lady is is moved from one place to another let's say she comes to johannesburg mm-hmm. It's the city of gold and and again from all the experience that we have had um south africa indeed is the promised land um uh, not just to the, to the, um, other, um, uh, people from, from the continent. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, the belief that, you know, the city is, uh, or the streets are paved with gold. And again, everything happens like Aren't really they? quickly. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey when we go out there. Some potholes, uh, <laughs> some from, potholes, yeah, here I mean, But they are golden well. line. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it depends again which uh, rugby team you, you, you support. <laughs> So, um, what happens next is, again, the, the promise is you'll work in a restaurant or, um, and then again, you will, uh, earn a, a lot of money. Let's say, I don't know, uh, 5,000 rands a month. But then the reality is different. Once, um, uh, they came to, they come to, to, to Johannesburg, then, um, let's say, let's choose, uh, Hillbrook. I heard it used to be the bohemic place in mm. in johannesburg not um, i would say in south africa as well uh, and a lot of artists were were creating there and mm, it was a bit like paris yes in uh, the south <laughs> yeah <laughs> apparently a place uh, to be seen as well and uh but yes in in terms of uh being creative and a lot of good things came out from there but um unfortunately the reality is, is quite different now and um th- Yeah, then this lady said, uh, is being told, okay, uh, from now on, actually, you're not going to work in a restaurant, but, um, you need to serve certain number of clients. Mm
1: maria you 're working with the International Organization for Migration. What exactly do you as an organization then do are you Are you tracking um, these these poor souls that are being moved around all over the country are you Are you trying to to get them back home and reunited
3: with their families? What does your job then entail as the organization Yes, we do have a, a very comprehensive program, um, I would say, and we 've been doing this for some twenty years uh, worldwide. Uh, what, what the program entails, uh, is actually, um, uh, when, when a potential victim of human trafficking actually is being referred to us, be that from the authorities, the NGO, or, um, if he or she managed to escape from, from the traffickers, then we do the, the interviews, um, there's certain, um, criteria that, um, are, are there, again, based on, on the legislation and et cetera. And then, but then it's the whole, um, I would say the, uh, the the technical side moves away, but then mm. the the human one uh, kicks in. Because how do you escape? I mean, okay, so
2: you've been they've taken obviously properly taken your identification. Yeah, you don't have a, a no freedom of movement. an ID. Mm, yeah. You don't have money. No, you're in a foreign city. Yeah. you're in this impossible situation. How how many people are we talking about?
3: Ooh, the number. Uh, our numbers are are always tricky mm-hmm. for many reasons first is uh what 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 you you said it's it's um this phenomenon or the crime it's it's very hidden in its nature so and and secondly um actually uh only on on this uh Sunday 9th of uh, August South Africa uh, got a comprehensive legislation on on human trafficking so uh, when you don't have the basis, the legal mm-hmm. grounds, it's like nobody is collecting uh, information. information or statistics about uh, trafficking cases. So um, I can tell you as organization, we have assisted more than uh, 300 victims in the past few years. Uh, but then, again...
2: How do they find you? Because I suppose that's the question. Mm. So
3: these are people who got out of the system. How did they find you? Uh, usually it's, uh, yes, if they manage to, uh, escape or run away from the, the situation where they are, be that, uh, from a brothel or, um, or a bar or, um, a farm or a mine, um, or, um, again, through a police raid, mm-hmm. um, then they're being referred to us. Uh, just want to also mention um, the, the importance of, of the NGOs or the civil society organizations uh, when it comes to victims of human trafficking in terms of sheltering uh, these victims, providing the psychosocial assistance, and again, in order to reach uh, the point where um, the victim of tra- uh, trafficking is empowered after the horrific experience mm-hmm. that they've been through. And then to be able to stand up on, on her or his feet after the experience. It's, it's a very long process and some of them, they don't really succeed in, in, in that.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Maria, at, at the risk of sounding callous, how profitable is the trafficking of humans for the perpetrators doing it? Because you think drug trafficking, these people make a lot of money. You think, you know, moving arms, firearms all over the place—that's also cigarettes. very profitable. Moving cigarettes, exactly. illegal cigarettes. And so yeah. I wonder <laughs> where human trafficking fits in on that scale. Because I'm assuming these people are doing it because mm-hmm. it is a very profitable business for them. These are not the perpetrators actually ripping people out of their homes and taking them
3: into worlds that they where they know absolutely no one. Actually it's all about the profit yeah. uh, Victims are commodities That are bringing a lot of money To the perpetrators, to the traffickers um, I don't know, organization I think it was uh, UNODC It's the United Nations Organization for Drug and Crimes They did a study some years ago And um, as a, uh, the result of the study Was that uh, human trafficking is actually The third uh, most profitable business And it uh, comes after the Trafficking of arms and trafficking of drugs. Oh so it's like
2: f- a modern form of slavery. Essentially. It, it is. Yeah. This yeah. It is, is slavery. It
3: is slavery. What is um, easy, if I can say, uh, when 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 it comes to human trafficking, is like there is no investment uh, when it comes to victims of. Uh, I mean, to to the people, right? They mm. they are grown-up people. You have a beautiful young lady. That looks gorgeous, and then somebody uh, lured her to uh, enforce her to uh, to be a prostitute to to bring him or her a profit. Right? She doesn't get anything from that, and then it's it's a vicious circle because the moment uh, the victims think that they will be paid mm. for the services they are being provided, it's usually the time when the owners or the traffickers actually are moving them to the next place where then the next owner or the trafficker then says okay, your debt has just increased for let's say 10,000 more rents and now you owe me another 80,000 and you have let's say 5 months to earn back this money and then we can start talking of of me paying you for, for, for the services that you are uh, actually forced to do
2: I mean you were saying before about mines and so
3: what happens there? See, um I guess it's because of the the nature of uh, sex trafficking or the trafficking for the purpose of sexual exploitation. Mm. It's very, uh, I mean, everybody wants to talk about it. It is a huge problem, mm. but um, uh, very little attention is given to labor trafficking, mm. uh, being that in, in the farms or um, mines, but also in the fishing industry. I mean, we have dealt in maybe at about a year ago with some 76 fishermen from Indonesia that were just uh, uh, on the sea for some three years, and then they were just dropped off at uh, Cape Town Harbour without uh, any payment. They were just all find their way to to uh, go back home. The same is happening with with uh, with the mines. Um, when it comes to regulations in terms of um, And and South Africa is very good in that uh, when it comes to policy. Implementation might be a bit uh, challenging from time to time. Is that not our problem universally? (laughs)
2: Well, we've got great policies. I mean, especially with, I mean, in Women's Month, we've got fantastic gender-related policies. I think we're one of the most advanced nations in the world, and yet
3: we we sit with such, you know, intractable Mm problems. But... uh, so uh yes but there are uh, illegal mines for example where um and again we have dealt with many cases of children um uh, actually uh doing the the illegal mining here yeah, in South Africa yes really mm-hmm. <gasps> and um again many like many examples Charles of
2: Dickens eh? like sort of yeah like taking um, us back to hard times or just this
1: idea of children being Subjected to horrific working conditions In yeah. horrible sweatshops all over the world And so Maria Is there a group of people Who are more vulnerable For human trafficking Or does it depend on the industry So for example with sex trafficking It will mostly be women With labor it will most mostly be men And then you've and got children. children Is there one group of, of people That are more vulnerable t- To be
3: trafficked i I will really sound boring now um i'm I'm not going to refer to specific studies or something um again um we have done a lot of work and and you know looking into the trends and why and and who is the most- w- vulnerable and why actually this is happening but unfortunately, there is no should I use the word recipe or um so it's not formula cover formula. Yeah. Yes. Is it poverty? It is poverty. Yeah. It's, um, I would say also the globalization. Yeah. Um, also let's, since it's a, it's a woman's month. Um, wh- what is happening now while in the past it's like it was only the men that were migrating, were taking jobs abroad. But nowadays things are changing. It's also women that are, you know, also taking jobs abroad. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm the example of that one as well. So uh this is also the reason but I would also say lack of information mm. it's the it's the belief that this is not going to happen to me um in some of of uh the instances it's it's uh, again uh low level of education but not necessarily i can tell you again thousands of examples of let's say highly educated women from uh, eastern europe mm. Uh, with, I don't know, doctor degrees and, and everything That ended up, uh, not all of them But some of them uh, as the victims of trafficking
2: I see that the Amnesty International has just said And this is very controversial Has said that um, they, they believe that prostitution should be legalized in the world And and of course this has like caused a lot of drama Because people are saying, you know This is the great untold, unspoken you know, side of slavery and human trafficking, and that many people who are prostitutes are not in this business because they want to be, but because they've been trafficked. Um, can you give us a little insight on that, <laughs> Maria?
3: <laughs> uh, okay. Um, as you said, it's a very controversial topic, and and of course there are different opinions, uh, pro and and against. Um, and i'm not trying to avoid the answer because um as i've mentioned uh, She's earlier it's very diplomatic I'm <laughs> th- <I'm> sorry <laughs> um, it's yeah it's, it's not within our mandate and um but i would say it's like um, again it's 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 um yeah it's a, it's a it's a topic to for for a discussion and we can talk about that uh, for for years the the point is that um again at least according to me is um you know, there will be probably a great legislation for legalizing the prostitution again. In, uh, that will also reduce the the, the, the human trafficking. Mm. But what about the implementation of of of, of it? And again, that still uh, may lead to actually prostitutes um, not really being there or doing the job that they're mm. doing on a, on a voluntary basis. As you know it's believed But actually they've been trafficked
1: Maria when the Minister of Home Affairs Says that they've implemented These new laws because they are Concerned with child trafficking And then when the average South African Turns around and says "Ah, Screw you how many children could possibly be How many children are possibly Being trafficked that it, it, it needs to Inconvenience me Is that us just being completely Ignorant of how Bad the, situation, the is. situation is in in human trafficking, and then specifically in child trafficking, and then also,
3: what do we do about it? As I've mentioned earlier, unfortunately, we don't have the the numbers, yeah. and I think the the one thing that doesn't go in favor um, in justifying the numbers that were uh, actually given by Department for Home Affairs when when the new uh, regulations were introduced was thirty thousand, I believe. Um, I, uh, again, there, there are a lot of speculations, and, and 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 again, it doesn't go well with the with the with the regulations or the idea uh, uh, for that. The, I, I I think that the, the regulations are actually an excellent idea because, um, and I would say, child trafficking is a, a, a huge problem. Um, let me tell you another example uh, Just think about You have uh, Tambo International Airport mm-hmm. uh, In Johannesburg it's, I believe is one of the Biggest airports in um, South Africa And it has about 14 million tra- travelers uh, Yearly mm-hmm. um, Again, because of the nature Of, of our work It's my bus stop <laughs>
2: just, it's your yeah. second home. Oh Lord! If, it's bad when the people at the coffee shop recognize you and they know your order. They just bring <laughs> you the. the yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you're in a big trouble. You've That's been good. at Oh Our <laughs> way too much. But moving on.
3: So yeah, um just I mean, if if. I would say the ordinary person can just spend maybe a few hours, not as just a traveler, but as an official, uh, there and just to, to see how many smugglers and and human traffickers are there actually trying to, uh, move children, Mm. um, in illegal way, uh, through the airport. It's just an example.
2: Really? So what, what would happen? Because now I'm panicking. Okay. Um, I just sent
3: my daughter overseas. (laughs) Yeah. We have this idea that like uh, once they through passport control, it's safe. Please don't push the, the panic button. It's, 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 <laughs> it's, uh, it doesn't happen to everyone. Uh, again, let me tell you an example. Um a, a Zimbabwean national uh, who is in, in UK, let's say asylum seeker or um, irregular migrant, pays a, a smuggler certain amount of money to, uh, bring her two daughters to, to London. What is happening? The kids are moved to South Africa illegally because first it's very expensive to get mm-hmm. passport. Again, with the uh, with the new regulations, it's impossible for kids to travel uh, without an abrid certificate mm-hmm. and the consent of the two parents. And then, yeah, there's a lot of corruption where actually the kids are being put on the plane. And as soon as they get to to UK, for example, they they claim asylum. Things can go very wrong, and these children may Disappear. never actually, yeah end up in the destination where they're supposed to be uh, going. So, yeah. Are there any telltale
1: signs, so to speak, to spot when maybe somebody is being trafficked and you you suspect, hang on, this is a little bit dodgy behavior. Panic. And if there are these (laughs) signs, what are they? Because I imagine if... You know, if little old me knew what the signs were, and then I spotted them, I I could maybe I could manage to alert somebody and say, "Listen, I think that this is a very suspicious situation." Tackling them to the (laughs) ground. I think this is a suspicious situation. Are there any signs to tell when somebody is in distress?
3: Uh, first, let's not go into tackling or, or trying to no, do anything. No, 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 <laughs> no, t- uh, no, no. I, I don't no. have a hero complex. I, I always say I do, violence is, is not an answer. I have a Wonder Woman <laughs> suit underneath <me. laughs> <laughs> this
2: little kimono.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, science. Um, again, um, I think um, actually during the introduction, you, you've mentioned that first is um, not having a freedom of movement. Um, someone that has been um, again threatened. Uh, Doesn't have uh, uh, the documents with them If we're talking about foreign victims of trafficking uh, Don't really speak the language um, That are always accompanied by by someone Big,
2: burly someone I presume
3: (gasps) Yeah
1: With a gun Or maybe even a woman Because you mentioned that the women are often used To disarm this person and to earn their trust And then maybe when you see a woman transporting
3: this person It's not as suspicious Yeah, but that doesn't mean that She's not uh, involved in right. trouble. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah. To,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah, you see. And I, I say rather have strict rules. I I agree with you. But do you think that people, here's my question: do you think that there are many foreigners trying to traffic people into South Africa from, um, say, now the Dutch mother who was being turned away? Is that a pattern? Um I again. thought everyone's going that way, trying to get into Europe. Well, t- pitching yeah. their tent yeah. in Calais and on the island of Samos where mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> my parents live. Okay. Um uh, what is happening actually is um South Africa is the destination country for trafficking. Um Oh no. Yes. Oh no. But at the same time there is the internal trafficking where uh yeah, South African is uh moved Recruited, moved in, and, exploited from one province to another. Yeah. But also you have South Africans that have been trafficked to, uh, other country. It's like, um, I don't know, in, we had cases in Israel, I believe, even in Tajikistan. Um, what? yeah. Mm. Uh, they trafficked them to Tajikistan. Mm-hmm. It's for the purpose of labor, of labor. exploitation. Yeah. Really? Usually it's the, the, the advert of, you know, uh, um, to work as a, a helper. In someone's oh, house domestic And, then, worker, and yes, then you end up Being trafficked actually you, uh, when, when it comes to especially women uh, For domestic uh, I mean exploitation uh, uh, it, it, it goes into labor one uh, It's usually the dual exploitation I mean there is also mm-hmm. an element of, of Sexual exploitation mm-hmm. yeah. Well on that sobering
1: thought Maria We're going to have to leave it at that And we thank you very much for joining okay. us this afternoon And for enlightening Unshocked us, us really and shocked. educating
2: us <laughs> And I think we need Tajikistan. to be... Can you we, imagine ending up in Tajikistan? I don't even... There you were. You thought you were just... I mean, where is Tajikistan? Like, let's not even betray our Tajikistan. geographical incompetence. Well, this incompetence. is the thing. This is the but thing. But good
1: grief. Um <laughs> And I think that we need to be shocked, Aswaseya, because, you know, ever so often, we just like to turn a blind eye to these things and say, well, if it doesn't affect me directly, then it's not really my problem.
2: Sigh. Sigh. So, it's really terrible. I think we should move on to, like, cheerier things, All Little right, babies, adoptive. <laughs> oh, apparently, that's Flower also an shop. issue. Well, yes, yeah.
1: but if you if you would like to get information, you can log on to uh, southafrica.iom.int. Dot dot that's our uh, international organization for migration. Uh, Maria Nikolovska, thank you very much for joining us this from, afternoon. Maria? Yeah,
2: where are you from? You international traveler. Don't I, say Tajikistan. No,
3: no, I'm not from Tajikistan.
2: <laughs> You're silly.
3: Okay, I'm from Macedonia. Oh, and, uh, we'll talk later where it is. Actually, it's just not I from Greece. I know exactly yes. where Macedonia yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous.
2: Maria. Well, very nice to meet yes, you. Yes, Maria,
1: Maria is the technical expert in trafficking for the irregular migration unit of the International Organization for Migration. Maria, thank you for enlightening us this afternoon on cliffcentral.com.
0: This is cliffcentral.com.
1: It's cliffcentral.com with myself, Mabale Moloe, and Aspasia Karas with another edition of Between Two Femmes. Mabali,
2: I've just um, Googled Tajikistan. Do you know where it is? It's on top of Afghanistan well, okay, and underneath Kyrgyzstan. 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 Kyrgyzstan, 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 right next to China. That is just somewhere very, very, very far. Imagine being trafficked there. Actually, oh. my mind boggles. Well, you know
1: what? Um next This to here this the is, Tashkent this the is Fargana the reality. Valley. This is the reality of the very harsh world
2: that we live in. and Dushanbe. Imagine waking up in Dushanbe. I,
1: I, I, you
2: know what? Yeah. I, I'm not going to imagine okay. it because it's
1: a, it's, it is a, it is a very upsetting and unnerving prospect and thought. And especially if you ended up there because, you know, some idiot decided to snatch you away from your environment and just to use you in some sort of way. But, um, let's move along because we've got Nomvoyo Shabanku joining us on the line now. And she's from the Joburg Child Welfare, uh, no, is, is, is it, no, it, it, is, is it Nomvuyo or nomvula? My mistake. I, I, Nomvuyo. Nom good afternoon and thank you for speaking with us um, this afternoon on Between Two Femmes. Welcome.
0: Uh, hi, thank you. All your pleasure.
2: Hello, Nomvuyo.
0: Hi, how are you?
2: <laughs> we are shocked. We're sitting here in a state of shock. Uh, uh, just thinking about being trafficked to Tajikistan of all places, which is something that happens. Yeah. So we thought we'd speak to you about little babies. It's just right. much nicer.
0: Well, yeah, babies were
2: nicer. Yeah, no, for yeah. You, let's begin with the work that you and your organisation do
1: with uh, Joburg Child Welfare. I mean, what what kind of services do you then offer? What what, what uh, you know, just tell us about the work that you do at at Joburg Child Welfare.
0: Okay, good afternoon to the listeners. Uh, Joburg Child Welfare is a child protection organisation that works with uh, children that have been abused, abandoned, or neglected or some of them are orphaned. And these children range from zero to twelve years old at, at intake. Hmm. So what we do, for instance, you would find that a, a concerned citizen would phone us to say there is a child that's being abused somewhere. And then we would go and do a risk assessment. And but before and then in that risk assessment we find that maybe the child really is abused or is neglected. Then we would remove the child to a place of safety. Be it with a, a private place of safety or what people know as children's homes. We call them child and youth care centers now. And then we go to court. We go to court and, and report that we've got a child. These are the circumstances. We just need time to investigate the, in fact, the circumstances. Circumstances being investigated might mean that maybe the person, the child wasn't really abused by a parent, but maybe somebody else. We look for various things. So it could be that children return home, or it could be that we look for alternative care, which would be in foster care or in adoption. So we have those services that are at the beginning. And then we've got foster care services, which then follows on now in terms of where children cannot be returned home right now, the court gives parents an opportunity to improve on their services. And then those children are placed in foster care, so we offer supervision, foster care supervision we also offer reunification services. Because whilst the children are away from parents, parents have got work to do to try and improve their circumstances. There are circumstances where there is no one for a child. For instance, if you're looking uh, at an abandoned baby, an abandoned baby, we will try and trace family through publication. But Mm -hmm. if nobody comes forward, then that child is deemed to have no one. Nombuyo, how
2: big is the problem of, like... That, that you're dealing with. How many children are you actually dealing with?
0: Um, well, with Job and Child welfare, in total, you, you look at we impact. I would, when I say impact, it's not necessarily a direct dealing. It's about, to about 47,000 children. Yeah. But our child and family unit, which receives children, at least about 15 children come in a day. <gasps> they don't all necessarily get removed from children, but concerns about children, I'm talking about the walk in not your telephone calls or your emails, but the people that walk in, you're looking at at least uh, about 15 a day. How are you coping with such numbers? You know what? We've got various departments that do various things. And that's why I'm saying we do uh, risk assessment because somebody may say, it's a problem, and yet it's not. And some of the 15 that come in, they come in, but they're not necessarily falling within our uh, threshold or our remit our in terms of an area or in terms of service or in terms of what the problem is. But we do rely a lot on the communities because we get a lot of volunteers. Part of the services, if I may just interject, mm. there that we offer is residential care. We've got two residential facilities and one daycare centre. So the residential facilities, if... It, it, they act both as a place of safety or a place where children can stay long term. So, and in those centers, the one center which is in Soweto uh, caters for 90 children yeah. from birth to about 18 stroke 21 if they are still at school. And the one in Westcliff caters for 30 babies, 0 to 2 years. And then our daycare center at Masibambisane caters for 220 children at any given time. So at these centers, we rely a, a lot. We, I mean, we do employ people to work, but we get a whole lot of help from volunteers as well.
2: And what do you have to, I mean, because now we've heard about all these tragic tales of human trafficking and what have you. What do you have to do to um, vet? What, I mean, surely you must be vetting these volunteers.
0: We do, we do, we do. Yeah.
2: Good, <laughs> <laughs> please vet them because we're very worried.
0: <laughs> no, no, we do. One of the things that we do do is to check people against the Child Protection Register, okay. which was introduced. Uh, it came in with the New Children's Act that came in in 2010, uh-huh. but I think it's to, to sort of come into real action now. It came in last year. So anybody and everybody that has anything to do with children or wants to have anything to do with children, they get a police check done okay. or a be checked against the Child Protection Register.
1: Uh, Novoya, I would imagine that encouraging, um, South Africans to adopt is, is something that you as an organization perhaps play particular attention to. You know, even though you will hear the experiences that people go through when trying to adopt and they'll often say that, you know, it's, Hard. it's strenuous. It's difficult. There's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of, you know, there are a lot of uh, steps and procedures to go through. Mm. Now we understand that all of that is necessary, but mm. I mean, maybe you can just talk us, talk us through that whole process of adoption because it is, it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Okay. Um,
0: I think number one, just to state that. People would say it's, it's too much red tape because they want a child now, and they know that the child is already born, so they can't see a reason why they have to go through all of this. And they know themselves, but we don't know them. And we have to do all that we can to protect the children that are in our care. So, but part of the things that people do with the, with the orientation, for instance, if a person approaches us and they say they're interested in adopting a child, we would put them through an orientation program first. It's it's a meeting Mm. where Mm. everybody that is interested in adopting meets with the social workers and some of the people that have already adopted and they hear all the truth about adoption because, again, people might have their preconceived ideas about what is it, what can they expect. So in that meeting, they get explained to the process, number one, and the things that they have to do, as well as Some of the things that they can expect and the things to expect uh, come from the experiences of the previous, of the people that have already adopted before. So that a person, when they make a decision, okay, fine, I want to go ahead with this adoption, they've got the worst case scenario, put it like that. (laughs) And they can deal with the worst case scenario. It's not always like that. They might be mild and smooth, but if they can accept the worst case scenario, then they're in. But then one of the things then that they would follow from that, because after hearing those truths, we, we encourage people to adopt, but we don't follow up on them, because we don't want people to feel pressure that they have to adopt. Uh, so they ha- it's a decision that they have to make, and it's something that they have to be motivated to do.
1: Nomfoy, where can people go to if they would like to do a bit more research into child adoption, and then also just to get more information on what we've been talking about this afternoon?
0: There's Adoption Coalition uh, website. And they can also uh, go through to our website, which is Johannesburg Child Welfare.
2: Can I just say, Nomvuyo, that two of my friends have adopted in the last – three of my friends have adopted in the last year. Mm. And the joy of it, I cannot actually explain. Those Mm. little babies – they are super cute. <laughs> they are fantastic. But oh, my word. The that we, we
0: say and the people, joy it
2: brought to them. So yes. I know there must be negative things, but the delight in these people's hearts is just it's a completely delight, different thing.
0: Yes. But also, I think for, for, for people, Mabale, if they want to just see it in action, what we normally do twice a year, we have uh, events that involve the adoptive parents with their babies. So, for instance, at the beginning of the year, it's normally around May we would have an open day where people with their babies come and meet the social worker. So it's an opportunity to see how beautiful this whole thing is. And at December time, we have a Christmas party. Everybody comes with their babies (laughs) and show off their babies. I need to be invited.
2: (laughs) Yes <laughs> because I think it's a joyful fantastic thing. Absolutely thank you so wonderful. much Nomvuyo we had to cut you. Yeah. Okay. Nomvuyo
1: and and we thank you for all the good work that you and Joburg Child Welfare do. That's Nomvuyo Shabangu with Johannesburg Child Welfare. I must week. say I'm humbled. Well there you go. By all these people. Uh listen, we've completely run out of time, but thank you for joining us and then we'll be back with you next week Thursday for another edition of Between Two Fems. Thank you as Thank you Mabali.
0: This is cliffcentral.com.